Hey, all, welcome to the Common Good Podcast. Uh, welcome back, everybody. It's um, middle of December here, I guess early December. Uh, December 8th, I had to look, because I've been on vacation <laughs> for the last two weeks. I didn't know what day it was, let alone what day it is. But December 8th, and it has been a long time since we've had uh, a regular rhythm on the podcast. So glad to be back. Sorry for the delay, everyone. And a long time astrophysicist, professor, author, Pastor Paul Wallace, that we've had the privilege of uh, chatting with you. So nice to see you. Good to see you too. Nice to be back, back in the saddle. Well, uh, I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Dan's over there in Michigan. You, friend, are in Georgia. That's right. Georgia. We pulled, the, the pulled it off for you. We pulled it off for you this week, people. Yeah. <laughs> Much yeah. thanks. Okay. Yeah. Let's <laughs> By the talk skin about of your that. teeth, but yeah. <laughs> right. Had what, to get you a special election because I, look, I, that, there's nowhere that I love people more than love them in Georgia. So all the all the goodness to all the good people of Georgia. But what the is going on with voters in Georgia? I mean, look, Herschel Walker remember. was a Minnesota Viking too, but not every great running back should be the next senator from the great state of Georgia. Remember, Who remember, in God's remember. Name, despite. The fact that we have two blue senators and we elected and we and we went for Biden a couple of years ago, we're also the state that brought you MTG. <laughs> I mean, Taylor Green, the greatest. We really, yes. uh, we that is exactly what Georgia is. Yeah, you, you got the. I mean, if they got the big urban areas, Atlanta, really, and then you've got the sort of the, the smaller cities like Augusta and Macon and Columbus. You know, little blue circles, um, but the rest of it, man. <laughs> well, well, congratulations! Thanks, right, thanks, Georgia, for for again, you know, just just doing your part, pulling your pulling your weight, taking care of business. Two hats point off. eight. Hats off to you, Georgia. Two point eight <laughs> points. That, that was the spread. Is Unreal. that what it came out to be? Okay, well, that's better than I. I hadn't looked since I know early Wednesday morning, and it was still like a hundred thousand yeah. votes or something. That, that's what. That's the hundred thousand votes. Oh, two point eight. Yeah, okay. yeah. We we have a lot of people. We have like eleven million people in the state, so. Yeah, I think 3 million people voted. Like 1.6 million people said Herschel Walker should be the next senator of the state of Georgia. I, I mean, just say what you want. But Herschel Walker, for all of his mental health issues, all of his doesn't know what he's talking about, was confused about what seat he was running for the other day, doesn't know if he wants to be a vampire or, or a, a werewolf. werewolf. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest with you. Business. I, I, I mean... I'm not. I'm not excusing the guy's past because it's 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 a horrific. I mean, he's got a terrible story, but I felt sorry for the guy in this context. He was mm -hmm. just picked up, you know, by Trump and just they Trump hounded him for a month to run, and he just ran. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's completely used. Yes, mm -hmm. and that just breaks my heart. I'm sorry. I, I, for, I don't. I'm not talking about the women he's messed with or the or the or the kids he's left behind. Yeah, that's just not the way you treat people, and he was just used, yeah. and it was. Sad. And he went along with it, and just just another of a series of bad decisions and yep. bad and, actions by a and, guy. And now every Republican has taken him off their phones. You know, it's like deleting that number. You know, it's like they're just gonna just hang him out to dry. Well, okay, so that's our Georgia bit. So thank you, Georgia. Thanks for taking you're care welcome. of that. But Paul Wallace, astrophysicist, uh, pastor, author. You, you're not only a all of those things. You're also a professor. So how are the kids doing, Paul? Uh, we've been worried to death, some of us, about the college students who had to live the last two years of high school, you know, through COVID, or as we like to say, through the end of the Trump administration. And <laughs> they had to live through all that, stuck at home and, you know, and a million yeah. people in the country dying of a disease. Yeah. And now they're in college. 
And yeah. now you've got them as freshmen. They've now finished their first semester. These kids at these kids at Agnes Scott. How how are they? Uh, how how how'd they do this year? You know, I don't teach first years. I don't teach freshmen. It just works out that way. I've, I have virtually none. Oh, um, I teach physics for um, uh, pre medical students, and they typically don't take physics their first semester. They usually wait to their junior or senior years to take got physics. Mm-hmm. And also I, I teach, so that's one group that I teach. And I also teach uh, physics majors who are upper level courses, like who are again, juniors and seniors. Okay. So, um, but there is a sense on campus that we're not back yet, but things it's better than last year. Things okay. seem, things seem a, a little more student engagement, you know, um, but it's still not like it was before. It won't be like it was before. Whenever a new thing takes its place, it'll be different. But I can say that overall, um, it's been a really good semester. Hmm. Um, I've enjoyed this semester more than I think I have in a long time. Ah, oh, okay. That's because you got that fancy new office you're sitting in, which is up hey, the side yeah. of the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the space. That, that's, really, that's, really all, that's really all that it is. It's my new office. My right, office so gentlemen. Right over here, uh, Joaquin the Bearded Dragon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, could you be more classic professor than having an aquarium with a bearded dragon over your left shoulder? All right, so I had an absolute epiphany on the airplane coming home from vacation as to why America is the way that it is. It all came together. Like, like what happened? Please, please what, tell us. What, what became, you know, as, as uh, Jackson Brown said, um, what became of the dreams uh, that made us. What what happened in this country? How how did we move from you know the the thrusts of the of the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the social movements? How did we then end up you know where we are now? What's happened to our generation, Paul? People of our age, what's gone on? How how did this all come about? And and I've concluded, it's trauma driven by the movie Jaws. <laughs> Didn't see this coming at all. I'll tell you, I didn't see this coming. No, no, I didn't. If you told me to guess 100 things, it right, would, well, I would have been nowhere near the movie When was the, the last Jaws? time you watched the movie Jaws? Okay, because I watched it on an airplane. Ten years ago? And Which the last is, time I you know, watched arguably it, the safest place to watch it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unless you're flying over an ocean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last time yeah. I think I watched it, I don't know, 1975, when I was nine years old in a movie theater. When it came out, this is not a ch- this. Tell wow, me about I'm pretty it, young this for is that not movie. a children's movie. No, kids should not be watching Jaws. As a child, we at the swimming pool in the apartment complex that I grew up in, we played Jaws all the time. Maybe other people did too. You know, you'd float along and then you'd do yeah. the little head jerk and like the the girl does when she's going to get pulled. <laughs> like it's so iconic in my brain. I can totally remember the scenes like that. And I remembered how the thing ended. It's a terrifying movie. It holds up. I got to tell you, Steven Spielberg back in 75 made a film. But it is a full-on adult-level film. First of all, it's more than two hours Mm -hmm. long. So how in the world did a nine-year-old sit in a movie theater? It's really quite boring. Like the storyline doesn't get... It just scares the life mm-hmm. out of you until, you know. And it's kind of a slow burn. It's kind of a slow, <laughs> totally. I mean, the development is kind of slow. Where there's a cap, ship cap. If you haven't seen the movie already, uh, look, it's a little late to call a spoiler alert. It's been <laughs> since 1975. 
But there's a ship captain who's this <laughs> gruff and, you know, uh, sort of classic sea seaman captain that is out on the, the boat with the two heroes of the of the story. One of them, uh, uh, Dreyfus, and don't know who the other, can't remember who the other actor is. So it's just the three of them on the boat. And this captain is telling stories about how he got these shark bites and different things on his on his body. And he's talking about when he was in World War II and out in the ocean and that he was in a sub, like this is the, I remember him saying this like as a kid when he was, when I was watching it, it's kind of coming back to me. He recounts, you know, in the movie, he recounts how their submarine was sent out to help deliver the bomb on Hiroshima. Yeah. I don't remember yeah, that part. The submarine I remember submarine. ship sinking and then they're in the life raft or like, Holding on to stuff, and then the sharks start picking them off one by one. That he ate 30, 300 of them in and out. <laughs> like this this whole thing, right? Well, the, the subtext of what he's getting at is <laughs> it's they delivered the bomb on Hiroshima. And then in the end, he says, you know, they, the, the shark ate 300 of the thousand of us, the sharks out there. Um, but we delivered the bomb. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my goodness. First of all, it's ter terrifying. It's such a slow burn. And then they're drilling into your brain. It's okay to be eaten by sharks because you drop the bomb on the <laughs> innocent people in Japan. <laughs> this movie is, it, and I'm like, there it is. All my little trauma and all, there's a whole generation yeah. of us. That were uh, that, that were deep. Also, effective. some great so. quotes, though. You know, you got the "take them along for ballast, chief." Yeah, and they decide to bring, <laughs> and then of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. going to need a yeah. bigger boat, yeah. which is one of the greatest lines. And smile, bigger boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, see, this is what I'm saying. Like when you're a kid, this stuff is in your head, and everything else around it, just darkness, just darkness, <laughs> and fear, and trauma. Our, uh... It's terrible. <laughs> Our 20-year-old, uh, who's now 20, saw it when she was about that age. I don't know how she saw it. Okay. Maybe at a friend's house or something. But it did to her what you're talking about. She was terrified. We went to the beach. No. Like, Come on in, baby. So, no. Because no, the other thing they did in the movie, very 1975. They have two kids get eaten by sharks, and the, the first two victims are children. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like you wouldn't do that. Sure, right. Like in a yep. movie now, someone would be like, "Hey, let's I don't know, let's make it like a 20 year old, and then like a 46 year old." No, 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 no. They yeah, got yeah. Uh, go for the kids, kids first. Yeah, it was a different, yeah that, that 16 year old girl a different on the beach time. that went running went, out there. You know, she just. I mean, I had a crush on her when I was nine. I when she came across the sand dunes, running and you know, flirting with the guy to run in the water. Like, oh, I totally remember her. And then she's eaten by a shark. First, <laughs> I would minutes. totally go in the. <laughs> Yeah, I would. Yeah. See, that's what will get. Yeah, I, I would totally go in the <laughs> even water if there's with a her shark, and you know, and, and that's and even if there was a shark. Yeah. But All hey, right, we well, didn't come here just to talk about classic uh, movies from the seventies. We also came here to talk about the moon, and it's been fifty years since the moon put human boots on the moon. But we just uh, we just the started a mission, time. Artemis, where we circled the moon, and in a couple years we're going to land on it. Uh, with people again, which is pretty exciting. Paul, what do you think of all this? I like the idea of going to the moon. I like it. I'm I'm all for it. And uh, and uh, it's going to be too long, though. It's like uh, like your headline says here. Uh, I, I was reading about why this is. Apparently, it was just like a some budget thing. Some glitch. <laughs> 
like a budget thing that and had to do with over with, with like changes in administrations or something yeah. like they had one plan and, and building they a second plan and launch it, tower what it was, but, but it doesn't match up so they have to borrow parts from this uh, yeah. lander that just flew around the moon they have to like strip it for parts refurbish them and put them in the next Seriously. yeah 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 that's why i mean because it's weird because you have this one shot and it proves that it works but then you got to wait two or three years two years say for the next one you lo- and that kind yeah. of uh you know you lose your buzz you follow it up like in a month a few months or something <laughs> yeah lose your well, buzz. one of the exactly. articles that's i was exactly reading it was saying because of this gap like people have to relearn how to do things for the next mission like you go two years without really? doing something and you're like right staff has right. left you have to train new people how to do the things that we huh. just did and even people who haven't left i mean after two or three years yeah. you have to basically go back to school again to remember you know what, what, what to do uh yeah so it, it's a little unfortunate but um i am excited by the i'm very excited by the pictures like the one that's here on the screen uh the, those yeah. images that they got are just phenomenal just phenomenal now, Paul, tell shots. us a little bit about um, like why we're going and, back and the to the moon thing. now after 50 years. Uh, as I understand it, we're going back on, on to the moon this time, not just to drive lunar rovers around and come back, but to, to go and stay sort of like we're, uh, we're keeping the, um, you know, the space station. There's always somebody in the space station. I think the idea here is to uh, do the same thing with the moon, to go back and to sort of establish a permanent a, a more permanent presence there on, wow. and, and and the long game of course is is the other m word which is mars has there been and now we follow this we've been talking about going to the moon paul on some version of a podcast with you for years truly yeah. years like some kid yeah. was in ninth grade and we started talking about it they've since graduated have a doctor doctorate and are teaching somewhere <laughs> uh, we've been talking about going to the moon for so long with you it's happening but has anybody really said out loud? Because I haven't heard any culture, cultural pushback on, do we really want people living on the moon? Like, doesn't that feel a little, I don't know, like that's a Rubicon we don't want to cross? Like, I see people in low space orbit in the space station. Okay, sort of all right. They're floating around out there. But I don't know. Once you, like, take up, you know, semi-permanent or permanent space on the moon that's a real move isn't it it is but why would you call it uh a rubicon is it just feel like like it's just a whole just such a new bold thing or or what yeah, I, I mean i guess it feels like <laughs> i guess it feels like when i was a kid 50 years ago someone went there walked on it and then came back and everyone's like holy cats they they walked on the moon <laughs> now someone's like Hey, let's just go up there and like build something and yeah. and stay there. It feels like it's it's crossing uh, into a new kind of presence. Yeah, oh, uh, I, I I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, there's beautiful places in the country in the in the on the planet now that we preserve, and people can't like live there. You could go visit, but you can't like stay. Well, and that's I, part. I don't know. Yeah. That, that 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 is one lesson I think that we that we need to we need to learn and I don't know um, pay attention to I mean I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't go but I am saying that we do need to be very careful about um, these environments because we don't really understand them you know and mm-hmm. 
and they are in a sense uh, pristine and they are, uh, you know, th this sort of virginal sense of it had never been touched. And here we're going to go just screw it all up. Um, I, I understand that, but I, 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 I do think though that, that, and I, and I don't really like to talk this way very often, but I do think that in some sense it is, it is a destiny. It's sort of like something we're just going to, Sure. We're just going to yeah. do it. You know what I mean? I mean, you really can't. Yeah. It's one of those things where you can do it, so you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you I know, get like, that. Like, 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 like Elon putting chips in our brains. It's like somebody's going to do it. <laughs> you know, Might as well not, be Elon. I, I'm actually much more terrified of the chips in our brains than I am of us going to the moon. Yeah. Uh, that, that feels scarier to me. Um, I'm not as excited about that. Well, that yeah. was on my favorite website, qsource.com, the other day. And so you can pick up all the protection against the chips in your brain if you want it from qsource.com. Is, is that really I'm a, a, just is that a is that I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's something called qsource that's all your <laughs> protections against things in the QAnon theory. Uh, yeah. I, I, look, I mean, I, I love humanity. I, every person I love is a human. I'm a human. I, I get it. Every person I love but, is but a we, human. But we have a track record as a species, you know, that's, that's mixed, right? The same period of time we were shooting these cats up to the moon the first time we were terrifying children with uh, shark movies. And, you know, we've, we've <laughs> saved humanity and we've enslaved humanity. You know, it's a mixed record. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're going to go to the moon. Uh, it, I guess it just feels, and, and maybe this is for another generation to say, yeah, when I was a child, um, yeah, I think about old, people older than us who would say, yeah, when I was a kid, it was almost unimaginable that someone would walk on the moon. And then for us, it's like, no, we, I get it. People walk on the moon that, you know, I'm thinking someone living there or like a permanent presence, uh, like a, a, an office for space science and yeah. stuff. Ah, that feels like it's just another deal. And maybe the next, you know, maybe our grandchildren will look and say, like, oh no, I totally get that. That's they've they've people been living right. on the moon my whole life. You know, it'll right. just be sort of normalized. But yeah, it does seem like I'm a sort moment of to pay attention it's, to. It's sort of a bummer it's taken this long to have a moon base. Like yeah. science fiction has been there for a hundred years, you know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, and it seemed like it, it was it was a bit a, a bit out of favor. Hey, and then there's these photos from the first time we went. Are we going to put any of those up? Because oh, yeah. these things are, are just something else. Apollo seventeen. I don't remember the year, uh, Paul, because you're a you know a student of all this. Literally, you probably know when Apollo seventeen went to the went to the the moon. I'm guessing it was uh, seventy two, right? Yeah, it's yeah, been 50 years. 50 so. years. So it was 72. In fact, it was, yeah, 50 years ago this week uh, that we last walked on the moon. So that sort of gives you a sense. Remember a few years ago wow. when we celebrated the um, Apollo 11? Mm -hmm. Remember that? So that's yeah. the span of time that we were on the moon from then till now. That That's how much time we were on the moon. Yeah, from, really 19, from, from 2019, years. basically just, you know, during the COVID era from late, from mid 2019 until now that's that's the span of time that we were on the moon just a few years mm -hmm. and by on the moon you mean we had different trips going back and forth yeah yeah. yeah that that is the window of time that we that people had people were actually actively going to the moon uh it's not very long you know just two and a half yeah. years i guess because it's sort of like we beat the russians mission and accomplished years. and then the excitement and the funding oh. kind of dried up, right? Like, 
there wasn't that sense of urgency to keep going. But, you know, you you mentioned the Russians, and that's one thing. I'm actually more concerned, you know, this thing about the moon, going to the moon. The politics of it is, uh, you know, like, you know, it's like a, it's going to be like a land grab or something. Well, I just saw a sort of disturbing headline that NASA um, is purchasing lightweight, like, assault rifles. And it's like, why does NASA need guns? Like guns on the moon. <laughs> Do they well, yeah. think there's people living on the other side of the moon we haven't seen? Is there a, is there a theory? <laughs> no, no, but the China, little, uh... no, but the Chinese won't be far behind. You know. Yeah. I mean, did you all watch for All Mankind that TV no. show? Uh-huh. Oh, it's so good. It's like an alternate history of the space race, uh-huh. but they end up, yeah, bringing guns to the moon and having shootouts, of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Really? Yeah, that's, that's kind of disappointing. We should bring a projectile firing device. Seems like a very bad idea. <laughs> you know, it's this kind of disappointing that this is why they have to strip the parts and they don't get money because someone around there <laughs> is also saying, you know, Second Amendment counts on the moon. You know, you, you still have the right. It's just, it's not a conce- it's a concealed carry state. Hey, space space law. How about that? You know, space it's. Law. It's uh, it's kind of disappointing to think that, you know, when when there's a when there's a war on the moon that we're going to be using bullets and not like lasers and stuff. Yeah, no <laughs> lightsabers. You know? like, really, bullets? Like that's a great like, point. Like with, yeah. like pieces of metal, you know, and not like light. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's, that's just Star Wars. Of- that's Star Wars working on me right there. Right. Well, to get back to these photos, uh, they've apparently remastered these photos from 50 years ago. And uh, if you're just listening on the podcast, make sure you hop over to the show notes and we'll put a link to this article uh, with all these photos because they're just great. These got like the one we're looking at right now is uh, astronaut Eugene Carmen uh, or Cernan. I don't know. Cernan. Cernan. Always thought Cernan, but and, I don't know. Uh, he's just got done with a moonwalk. He's like covered in moon dust and like, just a badass. Yeah, just total, <laughs> total, complete. Like I am so much just, cooler than anyone the, else at this moment. Coolest, sexiest man alive. That guy right there sitting in that space. Okay, here, here's the thing I, I, that gets me about these photos. I understand they've now remastered them and done some digital stuff to make them clear, but they were taking photos that were incredible inside of the Apollo 17 spacecraft and on the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, do you know anything about that? Like what kind of technology? Because I know weight no. was such a big issue for them and like what they're going to yeah. take up there with them. They were they were working on ounces, like dehydrating yeah. food so they didn't yeah, carry right. so much. And then they I, I come home it, with like a 35 millimeter roll of film that is yeah. incredible photos. Yeah. I don't know what technology it was, but uh, do you remember that movie that came out about, the, about Apollo 11 back in 2019 mm-hmm. with the original footage? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. We talked about the quality, that the quality of that of those images and those films were phenomenal. I could not believe we had the technology to make such beautiful. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what I was thinking. It was like 19th century, but uh, <laughs> I was amazed at the quality of those of those films uh, that Absolutely. were taken in '69. And I don't know. I'm sure that whatever they had on board uh, Apollo 17 here for these pictures was probably the the highest technology imaging equipment you could get at the time. 
Um, but yeah, the weight issue, I never thought about that. I guess it was just really important to them to document the thing. Yeah, incredible. And they're selfies. Like these cats are shooting selfies, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, you know, his buddies just... just... And again, if do, do you remember back in the day when, when it was film? And you would... If you went on some event or family trip mm. or anything, you're like counting up the number of film canisters you're bringing, and you know yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, a yeah. 36 exposure. Oh yeah, you're clicking in in back of your mind. You have to keep track of. Okay, we have 22 pictures left. Oh on yeah, the trip. <laughs> yeah. These guys, and, and, and you couldn't. Just, you had to be careful when you took them. You had to be really intentional about when you took pictures. Everything. So these guys are like, this is my one shot on the moon. Don't screw yeah, this up. You know, you have 11, yeah. <laughs> whatever. And you don't know if it's turned number. out until you get back to Earth right. and develop them. <laughs> like, and wait a few days, yeah. Oh, go back to that picture, Dan, of the previous like one that. of the uh, Crescent Earth. I just love that picture. Yeah. That, that is Incredible. phenomenal. How, so how the do they fake horizon. that, <laughs> How do they fake that? <laughs> that? That really does look like the, someone's on the moon. and the They're Earth really good. Around. That was actually probably taken from the orbiter. Um but yeah, that is a phenomenal picture. What a shot. My goodness. It, it, it just, it, it really does. I mean, I, look, I'm, I'm not a lunar denier, but I can see how people would see this stuff and like the things we're talking about would be like, yeah, seriously, you think those guys are up there with those cameras and they're catching those shots and the guy <laughs> just happened to frame up that dune buggy driving across the moon and just nailed Perfect. it perfectly. Yeah. You know, yeah, there, there, there is a sense of the, the, uh, way this was all it all went that everything yeah. worked you know i know yeah. there was the uh, you know houston uh there's a problem moment but in that whole go to the moon period from whatever it was 68 to 72 it all worked like it it really yeah. is is magnificent uh what was accomplished and it, and like we're saying it is truly a lifetime ago you know 50 right, 50 right. years yeah uh, I'm looking at this picture of the Earth down there, and I'm thinking, I'm on that planet, and I'm four. Ah, <laughs> oh, great line. That's right. You know, I'm, I, I yeah. can't quite tell what, what continent is showing there, but, you know, I'm down there, and you're down there, Doug. Dan yeah. hadn't been Dan hadn't been invented yet. Nope. <laughs> but that was a pre we're down Earth. there. Look at that. <laughs> PD. Pre-Dan. Pre-Dan, exactly. Pre-Dan. Paul, what... what as you've heard now, you know, when you're in the space world, as you are, uh, oh, look at that photo. That's just incredible. What the guy's is, shadow is in it. I mean, yeah. these guys are artsy. And again, wh where'd the lighting for that come from? I mean, I have shot a thousand photos with my, you know, $700 iPhone camera. Can't seem to get that. Um, <laughs> these guys are literally on the moon with a Kodachrome and they're yeah. getting this shot with the lighting yeah. just, just stellar. That's, I mean, somebody should look up the 50 years later remastered images of Apollo 17 news article because the photos are just stunning mm -hmm. how they pull that off. Paul, what, what, what are people like you uh, in, in your industry learning about this work, this work that we're doing um, right now, uh, you know, with uh, uh, Artemis up there that's, that's new or surprising or are they just like running through the paces and, and making sure everything works? Is this basically a big expensive well, checklist that they've gone through or is yeah, it a new, new thing? It's a big learned? expensive checklist and I don't understand, I don't really know um, the differences in the technology. I do know that the, uh, the, the space launch system, the uh, basically the thing that gets Orion up there um, mm -hmm. 
is is uh, you know it's a little short, smaller, I guess, not quite as tall as the Apollo rockets, but it's like eight times more powerful or something like that. So the technology, I mean, it looks very much the same, but the technology is definitely different. And of course, the, the computers on board and so forth are, you know, infinitely further further along. But I don't know a lot of people who are working directly with it. Um, I'm more on the, uh, you know, the uh, astronomy research no, telescopes telescope side of things and not so much the engineering um, space vehicle, you know, side of things. I have, a, I have a friend whose daughter is working out at MIT in the some department that's called something like you just described there, like uh, spacecraft vehicle something or another. And she's in the support side for the people doing that kind of, of work. Okay. And what struck me when he told me this story was just sort of realizing that and MIT and I'm sure at Stanford and I'm guessing there's other major you know, educational centers where they're really training up these people to be developing the vehicles that are going to be taking yeah. people around, <laughs> around in space, that it's thousands of people doing this. Like there's specialized engineers who are doing it, but the infrastructure around the, the making this kind of thing happen is, is really quite, quite it's enormous. And you know that's that's my that's actually one my, my first argument against people who think it was all posed and all and all just you know uh, uh, you know conspiracy you know yeah I mean the truth is Apollo required hundreds of thousands of people mm -hmm. wow don't you think <laughs> that somebody <laughs> who was supposed to have been working on it who wasn't working on it out of hundreds of thousands of people would have eventually said, you know what? I said I was working on it, but I didn't, yeah. you know, right. in an age where publicity, everybody wants to be on the internet for 15 minutes. Yeah. Somebody would have blown the cover. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good point. That's good my point. first argument is it just, it's just not, you just disconnected from reality. If you think that, that it was, that it was, that it was conspiracy. Yeah. Cause yeah. You know, and this one too, hundreds, you know, thousands upon thousands of, dedicated smart people are working on this yeah at, at, at every every level of what it takes for someone That's to spend right. the next 30 years yeah you know, these are these folks working there at MIT you know they're some of them are doctoral students and postdoctoral students in their you know 20s early 30s they're yeah. going to spend 30 years working on a craft that's maybe gonna you know be on the moon or yeah. get to Mars or something yeah. like that it's an entire life that they're going to spend a work life mm -hmm. producing, you know, the wheels or the propulsion right. pack, These or whatever it is that they're entire careers. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I, 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 I think of like um, missions that didn't make it, like the Mars Orbiter that crashed because mm -hmm. somebody didn't do a conversion correctly, like from metric to, oh, to wow. aerial units, and like somebody spent fifteen years of their lives. Uh, many people spent years of their lives working mm -hmm. on this thing, <laughs> and <laughs> that's an object lesson. Every yeah. time I, every time any physics teacher talks about converting units, that's uh, a that, true ooh, story. That there was that's an a true story. The Mars, or, look it up. Mars, or I think that's the name. Mars Orbiter is the it was kind of a generic name, but it's called the Mars Orbiter, and it crashed. I, I think it fell into. I don't know if it went off into space or crashed into Mars now. It's been a long time. Now, now I, I know it's not as simple as couldn't figure out how many ounces were in a two-liter 
you know, <laughs> basically don't know that. how much if you need two or three of them to have the to have the party. But is it really something that simple, or was this yes. really complex math that there was a conversion problem? I mean, it was more complicated math, but I mean, within the complicated math, there are conversions, and there were there was a mistake or maybe a series of mistakes. I never actually saw the actual conversions yeah. themselves, but it's documented that it was a wow. conversion problem. It has, oh, and, has, and, and it's no more, and conversions are conversions, right? There's, yeah, they're <laughs> within, within complicated math, but the conversion itself is no different than the ounces to- mm -hmm. you know, I see, yeah. To gallons thing or whatever. And this coming from a guy who teaches complicated math, like you, you, you know complicated math. I know some complicated math. Yeah. What's yeah. the most complicated math you know? Is there is there another name for it? Like, is or is it just <laughs> probably uh, the most difficult math I've ever dealt with is has to do with tensors. It has to do with general relativity and these mathematical objects called tensors. But uh, theoretical what? physics gets, gets far more complicated than that. What's a tensor? I love this part of it. A tensor basically is, is is a mathematical object that that describes the curvature and and in the application that I they're used for other things than this, but I use them and the application I used them for was uh, tensors tell you how describe the curvature of space time. Oh wow, my brain already hurts. It's basically the mathematics of Einstein's mm -hmm. relativity from 1950. It, it, and it's it, often when I see that math, there's a series of symbols that I've never seen used anywhere else. Is this that way? There's a language. Yeah, well, it's, like it's Egyptian uh, hieroglyphics. Like. <laughs> it's just Greek, but uh, uh, it's, it's a woman Greek, with a basket but, in her hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost all Greek letters. There's lambdas and there's, you know, alphas and betas. Really? But yeah, it, 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 it uh, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to behold. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, but it, it's, it's, yeah, it is, believe me, it is. Okay. Um, and, and the beauty comes as you, as you, as the uh, meaning of it sort of slowly gets like unveiled to you as you pound your head against the wall for months trying to figure it out. And over time you start to, oh, yeah, these moments, you know, where like, oh wow. my God, I, I get it now. That's what you live for. Just moments where it's just like all of a sudden this mm -hmm. door opens up that you've been pushing on for weeks and months. Is there a package of gummies laying somewhere nearby just just around the time when that when that happens when you get that <laughs> little epiphany? epiphany. Uh, uh, <laughs> now no, I see it, man. It's a, na it. it's a natural it's high, beautiful. baby. Okay. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's, it's a natural that's high. That's what the gummy people talk about. It's just all natural, baby. Yeah. Uh, um, Paul, uh, in um, in the educational world, uh, yep. anything anything big afoot? Anything anything happening? Or is there is there a guy running around with a paper or a, a person uh, arguing to get in front of a you know a conference somewhere that's that that's got something going on that you know about? Uh, not that I know of. Um, no, I haven't been to a physics conference in a little while. Basically, since pre-COVID, haven't been to a physics mm -hmm. or astronomy conference. I may start traveling again. Um, I don't know if you know, but my uh, I used to be a professor and a pastor at the same time, mm -hmm. but my pastor job, uh, I resigned from that and now I'm full-time professoring. Okay. So, you know, maybe I'll get back around to it uh, soon, yeah. but I haven't, I haven't been to one in a while, so I, I'm not able to keep up the way I like. I've seen some good talks oh. uh, lately, though. We have a, open, a series of open houses here at the observatory and people who are astronomy, astronomers 
astrophysicists come in and give talks once a month. And um, saw some good talks about uh, habitable planets, mm. uh, searching for uh, possible signs of life in the stellar neighborhood. By that, uh, stellar neighborhood means within about 50 light years or so of the Earth. Yeah, so, so a couple of hurdles to jump before we can get there, but yeah, yeah, the the Mar- Mars looks like a cakewalk compared to uh, getting traveling out to some of these systems. Yeah. Well, the reason I, I asked that is because it seems like there was a period of time in which what we've been talking about here, getting to the moon and all, you know, the 1960s was preceded by a lot of fresh science thinking in the 50s, and that, of course, was preceded by a lot of those fresh science thinking from the oh, yeah. turn of the 20th century into the into the 20s. Like, that was a period of time, there was about 50 or 60 years when, across the sciences, but especially in the, you know, the looking up sciences, were really explosive in theories and ideas and things yeah. being proven. yeah. Well, it we're, feels we're, like now that's not so much the case, and I well, don't know if that, or it's not as popularized a, or something. I, I don't. There's know. A, well, there's a couple of big issues uh, that are definitely unresolved, and I, now that I see your question, um, uh, there are definitely some questions that are not resolved, and mm-hmm. the biggest one has to do with the discovery that occurred about 20 years ago, uh, which is the fact. Well, we've known since. 30s, 40s, that the universe is expanding, that it's, you know, mm-hmm. things are getting further and further apart. Uh, but what we discovered in 90, 1999, I suppose it was, almost 25 years ago, was that the expansion is speeding up. Okay, two separate groups individually discovered that the expansion of the universe is accelerating. Huh. That's so and, weird. Yeah, that is so weird. Because nobody, this was not a result that people expected. This is a case where you think you know what nature is doing until you look. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it turns, out, it turns out that things are not what you expected. And um, so figuring out why that is, it feels like, at least within the astronomy world, it feels like we're at this moment where things are just as confused as things were before Copernicus oh. showed up. <laughs> That's awesome. Because this question is, no no pun intended, is so big. It's so fundamental. Mm. Nobody knows what the mechanism is for this acceleration because the only force that we know of that acts across great distances is gravity, and it's always attractive, and that should slow things down. Mm -hmm. So there's something else acting out there that is huge. Hmm. And we don't know what it is. We call it dark energy, but we calling it that, of course, the name itself indicates that we have no clue what <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't know why dark that energy. idea is just existentially terrifying that there's this force out yep. there working yeah. on it's kind of an anti gravity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then separately from that and sort of somewhat it's still a big deal, but not as big of a deal is another dark thing called dark matter. And we've been there's evidence that there's mass out there and we don't know what the world it is. It's extra mass. And I don't mean just like a few percent. I mean like most of the mass most of the universe of it, yeah. is this dark matter. And we've been looking for it for 50 years and we can't find it. Hmm. But the math points to its existence, well, right? That's kind, of, that's kind of one of the issues is that, well, is our math wrong? Maybe, maybe general relativity, which I was just talking about, Einstein's theory of gravity, maybe 
maybe it's not it's not did right. he switch it did Aww. he switch it from metric to maybe <laughs> <laughs> are they talking leaders or ounces here <laughs> <laughs> oh by the way I, I, I you you mentioned that i need to say i don't know why it is maybe there's got to be a story here why there's two places where the metric system has pushed its way into Americans' daily lives, and one of them is leaders. Yeah, the the soft, soda pop is all leaders, yeah. and milk is gallons, and also watts. Like your light bulbs are measured in watts. As opposed that's to also a med- that's also a, a lumens. I can't remember. I don't even know what the what what the imperial. <laughs> I'm a physicist. I've been teaching physics for twenty five years. Uh, at the college level, and I don't even know what the exact unit is in the imperial system. I, lumens, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's uh, funny. But anyway, that's just a, a, that's, that's an aside. Those are two places where uh, you know our the final pocket of resistance to the metric system here in America has there's a couple holes, chinks in the in the armor. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so dark well, matter. Been a, since that, you're a pastor and yep. uh, and an astrophysicist have you suggested that that thing in space they don't know that can't explain could be jesus have you have you have you suggested it's that jesus. To, the, to the kids yet dark said, jesus dark jesus just, <laughs> jesus is just pushing dark the Brandon. expansion yeah. faster that he's behind it you know he's like shoving it, shoving it forward <laughs> You know, um, as, as far along as we are trying to figure it out, that sounds about as good as any other explanation. It, it ranks right up there. I'm guessing that there's a lot of people who do those, in all seriousness, when something in space or science is unexplainable, they go to the, there's f- spiritual forces, or, or, you know, <clears throat> godlike features yeah. that are going to be undiscoverable by the human mind. Yeah. Yeah, like, right, like the other day I was talking to a student and she was asking a great question, which is why does the solar system all rotate in the same direction? You know, what's up, where, where did that rotation came from? And I started talking about it, sort of where it came from. And I said, but the initial rotation, you know, nothing really, that was just present already based on the initial conditions, whatever. And I, I basically made the point that nothing really got it started. And she's like, hmm. <laughs> That's what I thought. And, well, let me you tell know, you I, 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 didn't, I didn't ask her uh, yes. to explain that, hmm, but I, I know she was thinking, you know, the picture I have in my mind is with God reached in, you know, and kind of just the gave first a spin, mover. you know. Yeah, yeah. the first mover, yeah. basically. Yeah. Prime well, mover. It, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of people for whom that that sort of fits and works. Yeah. You know, the, the, I mean, the God of the For generations, we've done that. And as science has evolved and our knowledge has grown we've filled in the gaps but right we've always looked at the stars and been like well that can't be anything that makes sense other than a divine being yeah that's a dangerous road you start going down that road and yeah you know yeah god's everywhere god's nowhere it's like god is like this idea that god kind of just got it wound up and let it rip you know (laughs) and and that and that worst, uh, it's a worse version, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> idea that God hides in our in our in, in the places of our ignorance and not in the places of our knowledge is like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a whole thing going on there. It's probably got mm-hmm. something to do with a mom or dad that wasn't around enough to fulfill the <laughs> emotional needs of a person, or 
they found themselves in a movie theater on in Hopkins, Minnesota, in uh, you know nineteen seventy five. Oh, comes back yeah. to Jaws. Just, comes yeah, back to Jaws. Just, comes back to those traumatic early events. Doesn't it, floating in the water. What, what, what I really like, them. Doug, is the way you took that individual traumatic event and and you projected it onto society, <laughs> onto the As globe. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, uh-huh. yeah <laughs> that's really yeah. A nice move. I like that, that. movie is so uh in our culture it's playing on an airplane right now like <laughs> unbelievable uh, one time i one time i took a plane to hawaii and you, and i i kid you not what movie they showed was volcano <laughs> that, <laughs> that uh disaster movie yeah. about volcano. speaking of which is that thing still going off in uh in hawaii I right now i think it is right like yeah. first time yeah. in 50 years? 40 years. Yeah, 40, 50 years, something like that. Wow. Awesome. We do have going on. We got a 50 year theme theme happening here. (laughs) And this is, okay, my my last note sort of looking at these photos. Non identical repetition cycles here. (laughs) We should suggest a little non identical repetition. A great phrase and concept. All the things happen over and over, but not exactly the same, but you're in a repeating pattern. It's really great. That's a new phrase for me. I like that. Yeah, non-identical repetition. I first heard that phrase and the concept from some religious people talking about why they do communion every all the time. And they were talking about that action being connected to the Passover meal that Jesus participated in. Mm. But anyway, I thought it was a much better idea for just explaining a lot of the realities of our lived experience than just the religious religious piece. Mm. Non-identical repetition. But as we get further away from, I don't, and maybe this is just people in their fifties, what they say, hmm. you look back 50 years ago and it's kind of evident that there was a lot of really great stuff happening back then, you, you know, in 1965 to 2022, like that's been a really great period that when you're living in it, it can always feel like the past was more romantic and sure, discoveries. Yeah. And the future is going to be that way. And whatever you're living in sort of feels like, well, this is the stupid time to live. <laughs> but then you start looking back at these at these periods and just all the little discoveries and the things that happened in, in culture and in science and in religion and in food. And uh, it, it's really something. As I mentioned, I was in, we were on vacation. We went to, to uh, Cancun, Mexico area. And like Cancun, Mexico, and people from the United States and around the world going to that part of the Gulf of Mexico for vacation is an innovation that was started in the 1970s. Like early, the mm-hmm. whole place was built then, like an airplane, tra- like a whole lot of things came together. There's all this, I don't know, there's kind of this 50-year retrospective that I'm vibing in uh, 50 or 60 <laughs> years of like, what, there's just really crazy amount of things um you know that can make it seem uh that that period feel really really quite wonderful and fantastic yeah. and I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure science is that way too yeah it is it is um but you know what i like i gotta tell you doug i was thinking what i like about you i like a lot of things about it. one thing i really like about you is just now you were talking about how the past might seem kind of uh sort of you sort of cast it in a positive light, you know, yeah. oh, it was so good back then. And then you said, then you said, and the future's kind of the same way. Yeah. I'm like, that's Doug's optimism that I like right there. Cause like for me, the future's <laughs> like, oh my God, what the hell? You know? <laughs> 
I'm like running from it, but I appreciate that about you, Doug. This idea what? that this idea that the future is is gonna be is gonna be good, and I'm in the older I get, actually, the more I'm thinking that the future will be um, is not as scary as you know as as all that. Yeah, but I mean, what I appreciate what that. possible what possible evidence is there to the human experience that the future is going to be worse than now? Yeah. The, Right. You want to you want to pick a time in the last I don't yeah. know pick it hundred hundred thousand years when you'd rather yeah. have been alive, yeah. Than right now, right? They're, right. They're, not saying everything is great. Everything's set. No, you know, no. But but you're, you're but saying everything was worse. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> There's not that's a thing. That's yeah, true. That, 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 that's true. If you look over the long term, that's that's true. I mean, yeah. who is some philosopher? Is it is it Pinker? Somebody. Mm. has this book yep. basically about how everything all the time is getting better yep. and uh despite our fears and despite all the all the crap and all yep. the difficulties that if you look over human history things are actually getting better like yep. in, in every possible category yes um, that, which is and, which is true the one thing people say is well there was pre-industrialized civilizations um uh, indigenous civilizations all over the world. We don't know so much what, you know, there may have been a, an afternoon there where things were just really idyllic and sort of perfect. And, <laughs> but we have this idea, right? Religion gives us this, but so do a lot of other culture, um, that there was an Eden at some previous time when everything was perfect and we've been on a de-evolutionary yeah. uh, slide since. That notion that got stuck in our heads because a bunch of kings endorsed theologians that wanted to control them and wanted to keep people from aspiring to a more beautiful future. That thing is so alive and well in, in our, and it must play somehow into the human tendency because yeah. people really yeah. buy into it. Yeah. Um, but it's just simply not the case. Uh, ev everything everywhere is better than it was 200 years ago. Uh, almost. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying. Except our rainforests, and I'm not necessarily saying that I agree with Pinker, but I do think that that uh, that there is something to his argument, and that saying that all oh, the old times were so much better, that whole thing is mm -hmm. is completely off. Is completely wrong. I just I think it's fully wrong. Um, it's just saying the old times uh, were better. Um, that's yeah. just not right. And, you know, I was born between the assassinations of uh, RFK and MLK. Yeah. Um, right in that window. And and my parents talked to me about it. That was just a horrifically stressful time in America. Yes. Just, I mean, I'm not saying that it was better than today, but. Um, yeah. You know. No, I, I hear. Yeah. It's, it's not to say there aren't more bad moments, but, you yeah. know, that period of 1968 was better than, you know, 1860. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> that was yeah. better than 1760. Yeah. That was better yeah. than... I mean, the, the one thing, Dan brings up a good point, is there's been some ecological effect uh, to to parts of our planet because of industrialization that, that have taken a... That's a lesson a, that, yeah, that it, it would, that's, that's, an, that's another lesson we need to learn and, and going forward if we're going to be colonizing the moon and other planets and so forth. We, yes. need, to, yeah. we need to really uh, take this lesson. Yeah. And we but have still all the better knowledge. than the ice age, much better than the ice age. <laughs> so much better. Ah, the ice age. Ice age was horrible. That's a real bummer. Yeah, that sucked. <laughs>
<laughs> hey, before we uh, sign off, I want to give a recommendation, podcast recommendation. Uh, maybe you two have, have listened to this, mm. but it's uh, from the BBC. It's called 13 Minutes to the Moon. Mm. And uh, the first okay. season just goes, uh, it follows exactly the 13 minutes prior to touchdown for the first lunar landing. And it wow. uses all the original audio and then what? interviews with surviving uh, crew members and people that were a part of the team. Uh, just an incredible podcast. And then season two is Apollo 13. And so it goes okay. minute by minute through Apollo 13. And uh, again, interviews with the people that were in the module and uh, people on the ground. Just really fascinating. And it gets into, um, you know, it talks about, we were talking about how many people it takes to land someone on the moon. And Uh they are interviewing the people that are in the control center and talking about how everyone at one of those little desks had a team in the back of, you know, dozens of people working on problems. And that team had people scattered across the country that they could call on to figure things out. Right. So like it wasn't, Apollo 13. It wasn't just the dudes in the control in the big control yeah. room. The, yeah. They were the, wow. they were just the top of the pyramid basically. Right. Yeah. Really you know, good. A, I, I gotta say that sounds that sounds fantastic. I'm gonna check that out. And I'm also gonna say that I'm a title I love I love good titles. That's a phenomenal title. Thirteen yeah. minutes to the moon. <laughs> wow. That makes me want to watch it. Yes. That's yep. a phenomenal title. Wow. 13 minutes to the moon. All right. Well, I've got something to do today. I'm, I'm glad. I was going to keep talking here because I'd kind of run out of stuff to do for the afternoon. So that freed up my afternoon. Yeah. Took up my afternoon. All right, Paul Wallace. Well, we'll keep us up to date. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Um, All right. And uh, happy, happy Christmas and December things, whatever it is you do in December. Same to y'all. Okay. Hey, buddy, we'll be, but Dan, are we going to be back on tomorrow? Should we be? Now that, you know, we've been off for Sure. Yeah. All right. Feel Let's like we've got some stuff to talk about. Uh, got- <laughs> lots happened. Yeah, a lot Me happened. Me and Rob covered it a little bit yesterday. Some of the- <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah, we got into some politics. Great. Uh, well, Tuesday. What a, I didn't even know. Ooh, what day it boy, is. what a, yeah. What yeah. a time for politics. My yeah, God. What a time to be alive. <laughs> what a time. Better than Greatest any other time. Yeah, much other than other than day after tomorrow yeah. <laughs> day after tomorrow the only better time to live than today so hang in there if you can until day after tomorrow things are really going to look up <laughs> things are going to be better yeah. okay all right well we'll uh we'll see you all tomorrow if things don't break all right bye yeah. everybody okay, bye.